and welcome to the Work Life Show. My name is Catherine Wilson and today we're going to be joined by a wonderful lady called Juliette Morris. Juliette is an award-winning leadership coach and lead and also the co-founder of Open Square Limited. So very interesting lady and I'm sure she has a broad range of things to talk to us about today. Um, We're going to be talking about remote working, tips on well-being and connection, and of course the effect that that can have on us long term. Firstly, Juliet, welcome to the Work Life Show. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Great to speak to you. So looking at your career experience, Juliet, um, you have a lot of experience in the HR industry. So what was it inspired you then to co-found your company, Open Square? I think it was the realisation that every organisation that we worked with were encountering the same challenges and the same problems. And so uh, it was founded with my husband. So we came together and it's more of an umbrella as to how we operate. For me personally, I believe there is so much opportunity in people and businesses that often goes missed because of it's the way it's always been done, uh, policies, processes, systematically thinking that's the way it should be done, copying other people and it doesn't work for you, untap that potential and just allow people to breathe and be successful. Obviously, we're working loads of us from home at the moment for some people it's been great but can you talk us through any that you've experienced that might um, become a bit of an issue for us long term if we continue to work from home I think it's interesting isn't it because um, I've been flying the flag for remote from anywhere um, for such a long time you know 15 20 years and I guess I've been fortunate I've been able to do that in my career people think remote working is new and it's not you know, people were working remotely since way before the Industrial Revolution. And when that when the Industrial Revolution happened, you know, everything was produced in factories, then you had separate workspaces and home spaces. And I think it was, um, if I remember rightly, it was in the 70s when the New York loft apartments happened. And that's when people started to work remotely. So it's nothing new. Uh, But the pandemic forced everyone to go remote. Uh, But I think we have to remember that whilst that did happen globally, a lot of people couldn't. It wasn't possible. So there are a lot of uh, jobs that don't allow that. So in some respects, you could say it's a bit fortunate that we were able to do that. I think a lot of the issues with the remote working came from anything when it's forced on us, we're like, no, I don't like that. Even if we're loving it. And and I have to admit, I love it. I, Mm. you know, work in London, but live outside London and not having to spend hours of my life in a car to go somewhere like it's joyful it's so nice and it's so nice that I don't sound lazy when I say actually I would prefer to do this on zoom could we do this you know whatever we're doing on zoom Mm. and they'll say oh okay yeah that's still because that's still allowed to happen um but do you think do you think it's a good thing then that people are allowed to now uh, work from home I think it depends it doesn't suit everybody um you know, some people are confined, some people like the interaction. I think the, the studies that are coming out now, it, you know, all talks about engagement and that community and that connectivity. So while we're, most of us are comfortable now, connectivity is pretty much there with Zoom and Teams and everything else. There is that, um, almost like that fear of missing out because 
you know, where we talked about historically, where if you're present, you're there, you're in the moment, you're experiencing it, you have the water cooler conversations, you know, the cup of teas, the walk around the office. And now you've suddenly got that barrier where you go, I feel isolated. And I think that's the biggest challenge. So it's not going to suit everybody. And some people, and I don't like the word hybrid because I know it's popping up everywhere, but some people like to pick and choose. Sometimes I want to go in the office. Sometimes I want to be at home. Some people want to be in the office five days a week. That's a very interesting thing you said there, you know, because people don't really realize that they're missing out an opportunity. There could be, you know, that water cooler conversation could help you develop your job or perhaps head for a promotion. So, that, you know, the possibilities are endless. So really, in theory, a lot of us, if we are spending too much time at home, it might be good to have a couple of days in the office then. There is so much opportunity now. And the, the point is that we can define it now. And I was reading, I think it was Andrew Hewitt, Hewitt at Forrester, you know, Forrester Research. And there, there's some things that are going to happen um, in the next year or so is that the office footprint will reduce. But in the same turn, there is an opportunity to create experiences for people to come to the office or go somewhere where it becomes really exciting to meet other people. So it's not just a formality about I'm going in for a meeting. It's coming together in that, almost like broadening that employee experience mm-hmm. and the benefits piece around. Julia, you have a podcast and it's called Conversation with Quiet Leaders. Now, I'm so intrigued. Please tell me all about this and tell us some of the, explain the advantages of being a quiet leader. This is born out of a business community that I've been in. Um, and almost like the admittance that, so I've always known I'm an introvert and I've, I've counterbalanced that by knowing how many meetings I can have, how many interviews I can do before I go, do you know what, I'm exhausted because I like to get my energy from my own space. The essence of my podcast was really around, is it only me or are there other people? And I'm talking about everyday quiet leaders you know, we know Barack Obama and Gandhi, you know, they're all quiet leaders, but, you know, they're the sort of big names. But what about in everyday work? So I started to have conversations with people around, you know, what's it like? How have you found your voice? Um, how do you lean into the fact that you're perhaps quieter? But what's the beauty of that? What's the power of quiet leadership? I think the real benefit is that it's all about continual learning because it's never about it's talking about me it's never about me it's always about some something else a bigger purpose a bigger goal and making it sustainable so it's not about success at a point in time it's you know okay we can see the bigger picture and it could be iterative we're going to gather all these views I'm going to listen to you we're going to talk a bit more listen again tweak it so it's it's around that um, look for solutions it's possible to learn and you can create sustainable growth from it So obviously back to what we're talking about with people working from home and I'm sure leaders are really struggling with how, you know, to relate to some of their employees at the minute because it's harder to see things when they can't see them physically only on Teams or Zoom or whatever. Um, Is there anything that you think that employers or leaders could be doing to ensure that their staff feel empowered to carry out their role and be as good at it and want to be as good at it while working from home? Talk, listen talk listen you know keep doing it and 
not just with one person. So you, if you have more than one person in your team, or maybe you're an individual leader and you, you work across a matrix organization, keep talking to a variety of people and learn what works and learn what doesn't. We recently did a webinar actually, and we covered the topic of resilience and coping with change. Um, and obviously you know a lot about that, which is fantastic. Um, from a leadership perspective then, um, what are some of the key leadership challenges that you've seen that have really worked in some companies? There's a light being shone on those people who it's all about themselves first. So you have to park your ego to one side and go about what, what, what do I need to do to help the business, help the team and, you know, sort of that, that serving piece. But, you know, it's showing that care and vulnerability. I think that, um, you know, as leaders, it, it's really just go, you know, I know everything, you know, it's been amazing and, you know, I've had a great career, but we all know that that takes hard work. It's hard work and it takes that grit and resilience to keep going and going, oh God, you know what, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. I failed, but that's okay. Cause you know, I found something else. Uh, so just the beauty of having some space for yourself. I think you, if you're in a leadership position, you have to lead yourself first. How do you feel like you would communicate that with, with staff then? Would you say, you know, would it be as blunt as saying, what can I do to help you? How do you think your job could be better? Is it, is it asking those questions or perhaps send them out a, a feedback form so that they can be anonymous or what would you suggest? <laughs> Um, I don't think send a feedback form out. I think it's, I think that you're absolutely right. The questions, you know, how can I help you? I know a lot of people talk about boundaries, but actually if you, boundaries feels quite constrained and life isn't constrained at the moment in the terms that everything's coming at us at once. So, you know, agree the expectations and have some guide rails. So know that uh, somebody can call you up, you know, and it doesn't matter. Someone can send you an email, drop your note, uh, you know, and they're not going to be penalised for something. For me, it's about helping more people. So having more than one conversation with more than one organisation and more than one leader. How I do that depends. So in my toolkit is coaching. I do some consultancy. It could be group work. It could be teamwork. But that the idea is that it's all always about moving the dial. So people who want to be better, work better, build better teams, whatever that looks like. And is there anything that you as a business have had to change um, since uh, the oil uh, panny days, I like to call it, because that sounds nicer. But since the pandemic has happened, is there anything you've had to change as a business? We were looking at um, almost like formalized leadership programs originally and when uh, COVID hit and we got an early warning sign of COVID because some of our clients and people that we knew were in global organizations were already seeing it coming this way. Um, so we, we automatically moved online to do all our meetings and conversations. And, and I guess our business was defined around that coaching and consultancy piece. And that's what we do. Just to finish off our lovely conversation, mm. Juliet, something we ask most of our guests, how do you achieve a work-life balance? I schedule everything, um, but most importantly, I schedule in some time. So in my, if you saw my calendar, I have the times when I need to go and pick up my son from school, the times when I need to cook dinner, the, the times when I'm having coaching calls, the time for networking calls, creating calls, it's all in my diary. Um, but, you know, I build time for myself as well in there and that's an absolute priority 
And is it a written diary or a digital diary? Uh, so, well, I have two. I have an electronic diary, which has got everything in because my clients also book their coaching calls in with me through that. And then I have a written diary of notes and thoughts. So I catch everything I talk about and think about on that day. I think that's very important. And if someone was watching this and you wanted to advise them on how they can um, manage a work-life balance and they can really feel balanced, because I think some people think they have a work-life balance, but they think that it's work-life, not work slash life. And everything else, yeah. yeah. Decide how you want to create your life. That's my number one thing. So whatever that looks like for you, start to create it. So yeah, one of my clients, um, wanted to uh finish writing a book and you know there's never enough time well we all have the same amount of time in our lives you know we all have 24 hours a day how you schedule that and how you create it then is up to you so yes there are you know requirements and things you need to do and work and stuff but even creating 15 minutes of space for you a day or once a week is often enough to get you in that groove to, to channel your energy through that so mine is tends to be Monday mornings is my time so I do some creating stuff some thinking stuff and then first thing in the morning every day I set myself up for what's going to happen during that day Juliette Morris it's been an absolute dream speaking thank to you, you so, so thank you so much for your time today and uh, if anybody wants to contact you after listening or watching this how can they contact you they can connect with me on LinkedIn that's where I am most of all um, there's contact details on there or on our website Thanks for watching and, and don't forget to like and subscribe. I'll see you next time.